Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics nobody circles the wagons quite like the national football league as the playoff races heat up a former college legend gets shown the door before the regular season ends of his current adventure college football takes a little break before bowl season heats back up again and we're getting a little bit better taste on some of the teams in the national basketball association but we start with what became the main story over the last couple days, what's really been a sidebar story for the National Football League for most of the season, honestly, and that was Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Him coming to Jacksonville was a story. Him starting in Jacksonville was a story. The team's record has been a story. The -the off-the-field things have been a story. And then the latest story were the Jacksonville Jaguars after multiple reports of stupid finally decided that they have had enough and have fired Urban Meyer three games before the season is going to end for those Jacksonville Jaguars. He now will do whatever in his spare time and hope that the contract that he signed will not be found to have cause for his firing and he could get the upward $60 million in his buyout because the Jaguars told him to go. This was no surprise at all as the season unfolded. A lot of people had different opinions on the hire before the season, how successful he'd be, what he would do with the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, etc. But as the season kind of wore on and then story after story came out seemingly week after week where he's calling his coaches bums and losers, even though he's the one that hired them on the staff. Then the latest is the old kicker for the Jaguars. Josh Lambeau is doing some stretches and he said, why don't you make your fucking kicks? And he gave him a nice kick in the leg that I guess was the last straw or because of the public perception of us all being like, what is Jacksonville doing? They finally had had enough. So it's fascinating that this is how this ended for Urban Meyer. For whatever reason, people gave him the benefit of the doubt the National Football League would work. His style of coaching would work. And we found out that the answer to that was a resounding no. And he's now one of the more disgraced from college football to the NFL stories that we have in both sports. So hat tip to that. What a way to kind of get to the end of the season here or not for Urban Meyer. We have watched, or first of all, it's good to be back. We were off last week. I had my office, our office Christmas party. Good time was had by all. And we hope everybody was safe and healthy and getting their vaccinations, getting their boosters, because obviously the variant is running rampant. And we want everybody to be healthy for the holidays, to enjoy it with their families. And, uh, you know, we hope that everybody's okay and not subject to what is spreading like wildfire, unfortunately. We'll get into what's happened in the sports world aspect of it. But uh, it's good to be back. With respect to Urban Meyer, it's good to be gone. Uh, We have watched Urban Meyer now for his stop at Utah, where he was wonderful. Uh, 31 arrests and two national titles in Florida. Uh, in his stand there where he coached some terrible kids, some terrible guys, and did nothing to police them, no pun intended, but was incredibly successful. Uh, then left due to health reasons and took the job at Ohio State and ran the same kind of incredible program, very successful. Another national title, one of the best winning percentages of any college coach in history 
and then stepped down again after other issues there with strength coach, with uh, issues with his players and behavior, and went to the pregame show on Fox. And I've always tried to give Urban Meyer the benefit of the doubt because when he talks, he sounds so sincere. And so apologetic. And the bottom line now is after this last nightmare in Jacksonville, in terms of failure on and off the field, his relationship with his players, dancing in his bar with a woman, not his wife, kicking one of his players, looking lost as last week's game ended disinterested in the handshake, uh, almost, I, I don't even uh, know how to describe it. Like it was in the twilight zone. Um, good riddance. Number one, number two, I, I've come to the conclusion after all these years that he's just a douche. All right. He, he's, he's a great college football coach. And he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Does bad things. Doesn't treat people well. And I'm not even going to judge his wins and losses in Jacksonville as part of him being a bad guy. Because, you know, it's a tough, you know, Saban didn't make it. Spurrier didn't make it. People don't remember that Jimmy Johnson won one game when he come from national championships uh, in Miami to the Cowboys and drafted Troy Aikman with the first pick. One game. Takes a while. We don't have a while anymore in the National Football League. You don't get time. There is no patience. But Jimmy Johnson had time to turn it around and rebuild the franchise because Jerry Jones tore it down when he fired a legend and people knew it was going to take time. And people like me were tickled to see Jimmy Johnson get his fat face kicked uh, because he was an arrogant ass at times, but he had the last laugh because he won two Super Bowls in three years. And then he came Barry Switzer from Oklahoma, incredibly successful. And now granted he took over a terrific team, but he won a Super Bowl. So it's not like there are great college coaches who haven't pulled it off. It's just recently it hasn't been done by great college coaches. And if you don't know how to treat the men and realize that they're not young men anymore over whom you have this great control when you don't, they're employees now. It's business. And also now they can leave in a transfer portal, which they couldn't used to do on a regular basis. So it's even much different from the college aspect of it. But I've just come to the conclusion that Urban Meyer's a bad guy. He's a douchebag. And he treats people like shit. He acts like a total ass. That's the way he's carried himself this entire season. And to me, he does not look well. I understand long season, haggard, disagreements with his quarterback. But when you look at him, he does not look well. He's gained weight. His face looks haggard. His face looks, I know, long job hours, tired, but to me, he does not look healthy. And we know that he's had health issues in the past. I think you've seen the last of Urban Meyer on a sideline as a head coach anywhere. Period. End of story. There's no way he's ever coached again in the NFL after this debacle. If a university, and we know they will do anything to win football games and or sell tickets, as evidenced by what transpired in the past few weeks. But I have 
incredibly serious doubts that he would coach another college team for all the reasons that have transpired. And I don't think he's in good health. I really don't. Uh, so I think we've seen the last of Urban Meyer on the sideline with a headset on. The next place you see him with a headset will be in an announcer's booth or at a pregame or halftime desk. Uh, I, I think that's all she wrote. It's an interesting arc, as it often is in sports, because everyone loves the redemption story. The media loves trying to build someone back up on a pedestal, and that's kind of what happened with Urban Meyer. We heard from his wife and his daughter and his pastor and his neighbors and his friends. Is he a changed man? Oh, he's never been better, et cetera, et cetera. And the media ran with it because they like the rise. They don't like the fall. They want the redemption arc. And for a guy like Urban Meyer, and we always have to hear from the, we, we always have to hear from the pastor. Absolutely. The pastor. That's a must. And what book were you the given? The family pastor, okay, has to come in with the opinion and tell us this is a good man. It's a good man. Good family man. Good father. Good husband. What book were you given? What books have you read how are you changing your life in that aspect? I mean, this is a man that has a book out. He's written a book called Above the Line, Lessons in Leadership and Life from a Championship Program. Now, go buy that book. Don't. But if you see excerpts from it, read them now after what's transpired and what we now know from Urban Meyer and see how much bullshit he was peddling in the pages. Take a look at that book now and see what he has to say. How about when Ohio State had him teach that class on leadership? Kids paying tuition, having to sit through 50 minutes of that drivel once or twice a week. Urban Meyer was a teacher at Ohio State just like a year and a half ago. He's on the desk at Fox Sports talking about what are some things that would ruin a team or stuff that would really get the culture up on its end. And now he's the face of that picture because that's exactly what he did in Jacksonville. I don't know. Well, I do know, but it's still surprising when you think about the arrogance that some of these guys have to think, you know what? I can be the guy that goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars and change that program around. I can be the guy that gets Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and makes him a success in the National Football League. I can be the guy that brings that success to everything in Jacksonville. Well, there were 60 million reasons that Those are good ones. made him think he was the guy. But I don't have any problem with tackling the challenge. But the way he went about it uh, certainly was totally unsuccessful. And again, they don't have a good team. They don't have good personnel. However, you know, how do you not know that your best offensive player isn't on the field? I'm confused. I, I understand post football. I understand it's a game of specialization and delegation. And there is you know, your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator and your receivers coach and your running back, but, but you're watching the game, aren't you? I assume you know who's who and that by chance your best player, you might even, if you don't know his name, maybe at least know his number and he's not out there and yet you're going to tell us you didn't know you'll take a more hands-on approach. You delegated that to the coordinator, the running badge coach, and he took him out of the game because he fumbled and he was out of the game too long. And you didn't know he was still out of the game. Uh, what are you doing? What are you looking at? When your hands on your chin and you're on that headset, is anybody telling you that? Are you asking anybody that? Hey, where's Robinson? What happened to him? Where is he? Did he get hurt? Did I miss something? Did he get a cramp? What's going on? Uh, well, Coach, uh, he's on the sideline, so he fumbled. Uh, and uh, running his best coach took him out. He's not in yet. Oh, all right. 
Well, next time you guys got to make sure you tell me that, you know, in advance. So I don't have to find out from the press. <laughs> he wasn't in the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't know until my quarterback went to the press. How am I supposed to know? I can't remember everybody's name. Got a lot of guys on this team. I mean, where where are you, Urban? Have you, have you completely lost your focus? Are you coaching? See, that's the thing. They suck. I understand it takes time for even a great coach to rebuild if you have no personnel. But I don't know if his heart wasn't in it or if it was too big a job for him or he just didn't understand the concept of dealing with men instead of college kids, all of the above. But it was a tall order, and he just never seemed up to it. He never seemed up to it. And he's got his kid quarterback basically calling him out in the press. You know, he's got his rookie first-round pick, who everybody's raved about, who's been awful for the most part. Because that's what pretty much you have to expect from any rookie quarterback, especially on an awful team. But it used to be, you know, you didn't talk like that about your coach. You didn't talk about issues like that to the press. And yet, you know, Big Trevor had no problem with it at all. We have problems. Yeah. The communication issues, want to put it behind us, just want to play. And it's, you know, train wreck 101. It's one of the worst scenarios I've seen in terms of the entire relationship between him and everybody. The coach, the quarterback, the players, his assistants, the press, his behavior on the field, his behavior off the field. It's just been a total, almost inexplicable. I thought they'd suck. But I honestly did not expect a total disorganization. It's been chaos. You know, it, it was almost like it. Obviously, it's a much different scenario coaching the National Football League in college. But it's almost like he, ne- he's, like he never coached before. So like it was his first. It's like it was his first head coaching job. He looked lost. Who did the Niners bring in? What was it their strength and conditioning coach a couple of years ago? And they just threw him in there and hoped for the best and made him head coach for a season. That's kind of what it looked like. Like in that instance, when they were awful, you understood. Oh, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. At least Urban has a resume and a Wikipedia page where you could say, he's well, maybe this sterling is- resume. He's got a brilliant resume. But the best conclusion I can come up with is great college coach bad guy, not doing well, not doing well in a lot of ways, not behaving, behaving badly on and off the field and looking lost, forlorn, disinterested and uh, not well to me. Jim Tom Sula was the answer to that trivia question. That's correct. Succeeding Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> what a correct. passing of the torts. The defensive line coach. Throw him in there and hope for the best. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And now we're going to hear, no surprise, and obviously, stories from ex-college players. I shouldn't say ex-former college players of Urban Meyer. Because it's not this didn't just happen, this behavior. This has been going on probably the whole time he's been a coach, to be honest with you. But you can get away with it in college back then when you win. Everybody looks the other way when you win in college back then. Now, that shit wouldn't fly which I'm sure he saw the writing on the wall of because he went over to TV, kind of got out of there before NIL really took off 
and this player empowerment era took off. You mean these guys could talk back? They can stand up for something? Oh, no. I got to get out of here now. Why you thought, though, you could go to the National Football League and that wouldn't be tenfold? I'm not exactly sure where the thinking was for that. Maybe you think, well, it's a young team in Jacksonville. Maybe I can mold them into that college mentality. Didn't work. Didn't work out. So there's only going to be more tales of stupid and horror that Urban Meyer has done throughout his college career as a coach and through his NFL career as a coach. And we're not going to be surprised by it. Of course. The most, the most important thing, and look, it's not coming from me. Just listen to the former players. Listen to the recent former players. What's the thing they always talk about? The locker room. You can't lose the locker room. Do you have the respect of the players? The respect of the players as men, as grown-ups who are doing this for a living. It's their livelihood, and it's a short shelf life for all of them, Tom Brady notwithstanding. So you have to have their respect. You have to earn it. You have to keep it. You have to treat them like men and realize that, yes, it's a family, but it's also a business and a very fine line to tread. And it doesn't seem to me like he ever had their respect. Doesn't seem to me like he ever earned the respect that a head coach in the National Football League must have to be successful, even if not with wins and losses, successful with his players. Because you can be unsuccessful with wins and losses and be successful with your players. There are coaches who are not winning games who have their players respect and their players love them because of how you treat them and how you coach them. It doesn't sound to me like he had any of the above. From the get-go, too. Right out of the gate. It wasn't like okay, in week nine, Schefter's reporting from whatever source wants to have a favor in him that he lost the locker room. It seemed like it was right out of the gate that they didn't trust this guy, and as the season went on, it only got worse. Look, they've got to bring somebody in to take care of this quarterback. Now, I am going to be 100% truthful in that I like the quarterback. I didn't love him as much as everybody else did. Plain and simple. I loved him as a freshman, but I didn't see a lot of, he's got all the tools. He's got the size. He's got the demeanor. He's got the leadership. He's got the arm. But I also didn't see, and again, this is the old country lawyer. This is the old report who's only been watching, you know, for 56 or 57 years. But I did not see a lot of improvement in the four years at Clemson. I didn't see a lot of real elevation of his game. So that had me a little concerned. But I still think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback. A very good quarterback because of his tools. But he has not played well. And like in college, you know, I, I don't think he ever really got that much better. And this year I think he's regressed. He's had his moments, but they've been few and far between. And I know he has very little to work with. But they need, before he gets killed, They need a coach who knows what he's doing in developing a quarterback, and they need to draft. Everything has got to be in front of him. They have to put an offer. You must protect the young quarterback. You must protect the young quarterback. How many times have we seen these guys have their careers ruined because they are playing Ben Gazzara, look it up, folks, and just running for their lives? So – 
that's got to be their first order of business in the draft. They must draft and, and sign in free agency offensive linemen, develop that offensive line in front of them and protect him. And they got to bring in somebody who knows what they're doing in terms of how to develop the quarterback and develop a relationship with the quarterback. And it can't just be the coordinator. And that's fine. But the head coach needs to have a bond with the young quarterback, I believe, to develop the quarterback. You see it with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You see it with John Harbaugh and Lamar, right? You see it with all of the outstanding young quarterbacks. Their coaches have faith in them. They have a relationship with them. They build a bond with them. And they have a confidence in them. And they had nothing remotely resembling that in Jacksonville. Agreed. And you're right. You have to find that coach that not only can be somebody that could help build them up as a young player, but help develop them into a better quarterback. And that's always been kind of a quiet knock on Clemson's coaching staff, Dabo and Tony Elliott, et cetera, that the only reason why they've had extreme success that they have and I shouldn't say the only reason, but a big reason is they happen to have once-in-a-lifetime college quarterbacks at the helm of their program for almost a decade in Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. You didn't have to do a lot to get them to win football games. But once they peaked, in a sense, they didn't really do much more to get them over that and really bring out superstardom, in a sense. They kind of just were like, hey, we got the best player on the field. Go out and do your thing. And, oh, there's tw- 10 other guys next to you that are just as good at their positions. So we'll run it out and see how it is. And we've seen that from Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't looked good at all this season. There's been one or two flashes on one or two plays, which happens to everybody. Zach Wilson's got a resume of a couple good passes. If you make a highlight reel of somebody, you're going to find a couple. So they need help in Jacksonville. There's no question about it. And... God knows if they'll find it, but obviously this was not the answer for them. And now they go back to the drawing board and we go back to our drawing board of who do we trust in the national football league, Al? I don't think it's a really big list at this point. (laughs) A lot of teams playing their 13 games, which would give us a good idea of what they look like, but I'm having a hard time getting past like three names at this moment. Green Bay, Tampa Bay. There's no more bays, so we're done with those. And I really don't trust anybody yet in the AFC. I can't do it. I can't do it at this moment. It's well, t- at this hard. moment, Kansas City and San Diego—excuse me, San Diego. I'll call the San Diego Chargers forever. Off of another broken play by Patrick Mahomes for about 60 yards, and Travis Kelsey running catch to the one. Touchdown pass, two-point conversion. We are tied at 21-all in a game where there have been a multitude of fourth-down attempts and plays inside the 10-yard line, which have been unsuccessful, and left points on the field. And then after the last one, a fumble at the one-yard line by the Chargers, who for the third time didn't score inside the 10. Uh, Patrick Holmes turned around and threw an interception at the goal line, which the Chargers took right in. But Casey just drove for a touchdown, a two-point conversion. So 21-all with 7.44 to go in the fourth as we speak on Thursday Night Football. So this is in L.A. If the Chiefs win, they go to 10-4. and four. If not, they drop into a tie for the division lead with the go-go Chargers. I trust the Packers because they've got the best quarterback alive. They are struggling with COVID. They are struggling with injuries. They are going into Baltimore to play my Ravens this weekend who are struggling even more with injuries. The Packers are the one team I can honestly say has consistently played well, except for the first game of the year. They lost a barn burner to the Vikings where their quarterback and their offense was terrific. And, you know, the Vikings had the ball last, and, you know, kicked the winning field goal. They lost uh, a heart-wrenching game to the Chiefs without their quarterback. 
in which their defense played incredibly well. And they had their young quarterback who was played about as bad as you can play. And yet it took, you know, the, the Patrick Mahomes broken play rollout on third down that the great Mahomes throw, which of course Nick Wright said is the throw that turned their season on, maybe so. But the point is it took that that play to, to beat the Packers. And obviously they had the nightmare game one, uh, which is far behind them against the Saints, in which Rodgers is awful and everybody's awful. So I think the Packers have played the best throughout the season. So I do trust them to not go out and lay an egg. And, you know, Tampa hasn't stunk. They've lost some teams that they're better than. And the Chiefs are on a roll. If they win tonight, they go from four and three, uh, you know, to 10 and three. So it's probably time to trust the Chiefs. You can't trust the Cowboys. I just don't think they're that good. Even though I think they have a world of talent, I don't think the quarterback's playing that well. Uh, their defense is starting to rush the pass. It looks pretty strong, but they really haven't beaten anybody. You love the Rams superstars. You love their personnel. Their quarterback finally had a good game against a good team. Do I trust them? No. Do I think they can win a Super Bowl? Yes. The Cardinals are all banged up. They just left Hopkins for the season. Uh, you know, some breaks are not starting to go their way. Murray's throwing some big interceptions. So when we play, who do I trust? The one team I can trust is the team that's played the best for the entire season from beginning to end where I can think they really only had one bad game and that's the Packers. And I do believe despite him letting so many people down, including me who are always in his corner, despite the fact that he's a prima donna and the smartest guy in the room and aloof at times and self-centered at times after the immunization fiasco, I came to the conclusion that he's a douchebag. But he's the best quarterback alive. Nothing will will preclude me from saying he's not incredibly gifted and an, an amazing football player. And he is both of those things. And as I see it right now, he's the best quarterback there is. Certainly playing the best in a consistent fashion. You don't see him throw balls into the ground like you see Brady. Hey, look, Brady's Brady. Not knocking Brady. You know, he's also in total because he's 106 years old. You know, he throws balls into the ground sometimes when guys are open or balls fly. You know, Rodgers doesn't do any of that. Rodgers throws the ball away. He doesn't badly miss open receivers. And he's no kid either. Rodgers right now, except for, you know, obviously he doesn't have the scrambling ability that he had 10 years ago or the speed. He still moves well in the pocket. He can still dance. He can still get outside. But in terms of his ability to throw the football with accuracy, with touch, with strength, he has it all. And he hasn't lost one iota of his skill set from a mental and physical standpoint, he's at the top of his game. Now, the caveat that I will add is one that we have mentioned on the show for years and one that I am happy to point out every time it comes up because death taxes and this always happens that this is all well and good, but if you need somebody to score you three or more touchdowns in the NFC championship game, say Aaron Rodgers isn't necessarily your guy for that. That's correct. But we're playing. Who do you trust in the regular season? And they are by far our best answer. Now, if there is something to blame and this is also something good for Aaron Rodgers because death taxes, and then we're going to blame somebody else for our troubles. Always. 
it's the defense, it's the coach, it's this. This year, it's the special teams. Their special teams are awful. Mason Crosby aside, who's been putrid by Mason Crosby standards, can't trust them now. Muffin punts, giving up touchdowns. The special teams is rough. So if there is a red flag to the Packers, it's that, definitely. When it's time to maybe kick a field goal or go for it this year, you better not trot Mason Crosby out there this time, Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers will let you do it because then we'll get to talk about it in the press conference about, oh, I wish I was out there for the last pass. I didn't say anything, I but have, I wish I was out there. Special teams for the Packers is a big red flag. I have always looked at kickers as relief pitchers. You'll have a great relief pitcher, you have a great year, and the next year you can't get anybody out. And you know, we see kickers go from team to team, and one year they're great, the next year they can't make a kick. With Mason Crosby, it hasn't been that way. He's had a great career. But this year, he's almost like that relief pitcher who suddenly can't get anybody out. Because he has missed so many kicks, which is so uncharacteristic of him. You know, we saw him hammer the 50-plus one, you know, to end the game when Rodgers took his team down the field and came off clenching his fist when it wasn't a 35-yard field goal. It was a 50-plus field goal. And he had all the confidence in the world that Crosby would make it, and he basically hasn't made one since. I mean, I'm being facetious, but he's missed a bunch of kicks. You know, two and three in games, including extra points. They've survived that. If that continues, which we've discussed, that will bite you in the ass in the postseason. It always does. He's 67.9%, which is 32nd in the National Football League. It, it, it's like a closer with an ERA of five and a half. Yeah, 19 for 28. He's perfect from 20 to 29 yards, but then 30 to 39 and 40 for 49, he's four for eight in both instances. Three for four, though, 50 plus. But in the right. postseason, we know games are made by you've got a minute 30 left, no timeouts. You're basically going to have to get a field goal here. You're in overtime. You're basically going to have to get a field goal here. I mean, that's just what happens in the postseason. You can't not plan for, well, let's just make sure we don't really have to rely on Mason today. Well, they're not going to play that way. Roger certainly isn't going to play that I way. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. He didn't forget how to kick. His leg is still strong. It's not like, you know, he can't do it from 50-plus anymore, as you just alluded to, three for four. It's mental, and he's a champion. He'll get through it. Then it's the other parts. Don't muff the kickoffs. Don't muff the punts. Every time special teams happens to the Packers, you got to hold your breath a little bit. So if there's something to look after, there's that. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I mean, people in the AFC would love to tell you that the Patriots are it. But do we really know that? You would think they're nine and four. What's there to ask? It's Bill Belichick flipping the bird to everybody that thought he was not when the Brady Belichick split happened. And then he had a couple games of struggles. Well, clearly he's a terrible coach. He was only good for Tom Brady. Well, seven in a row, running the ball down the throats of the Buffalo Bills in the wind just because having his quarterback throw it twice. We could have went out there and did that. Three times. Three, three times. times. My apologies. We could have went out there and been asked to do that. Just turn around and hand it off all game. I'll let you know when you got to throw it. And when you do, uh, it'll only be five or six yards. No worries. And the guy will be open. I'm calling the plays. Don't worry about it. I mean, you might have to have them be the team that you trust in the AFC, which is surprising. But now there's so many teams, not just in the AFC, but across the National Football League, across the NBA, across sports now, where this situation with COVID is similar to that scene in Star Wars where the 
garbage shoot is starting to close on our star characters and Chewbacca's trying to hold it with a big pole and think that that maybe will be able to stop the garbage compressor. It's closing fast. And some of these teams are getting wrecked by the COVID rules and regulations that have been put in for the health and safety of the players. They're, they're starting dogs just to put a lineup together across these leagues. I don't know if there's going to have to be a pause, if that's a wise thing to do. Some stadiums are already going back to 50% capacity to try to help it that way. But there's teams just getting riddled with this thing. And it's not just them. It's them passing it on to the next team. And it's just going and going throughout the entire sports. We're getting toward crunch time now in the NFL for the postseason. We're already there for some teams. Every game well, now is Florio, a playoff game. Mike Florio was on with uh, Chris from Mad Dog Russo today and basically said that they're not missing any games. It's as simple as that. They're not giving back any TV money. They're not canceling any games. They're going to play. They've got enough of a safety net in terms of the rosters. There's, there's guys that they'll bring in off the street that are trying out and working out every day for these teams. So they've got to fall back with the 69 uh, total members you know, down 21 to 48. That there's no way, shape, or form that the NFL is going to cancel any games. They don't want to give back a dime. And they are going to play through it. They are going to start going back to stricter rules and more testing. And they think a lot of it is because, you know, the players, you know, got lax and, you know, relaxed with the vaccinations and the boosters for the most part, everybody having them for the most part. Obviously, some guys not having them, but, you know, they're out more going out having contact with the general public, not just their families. And that's where potentially, you know, it's coming from. And then it's obviously spreading. But this variant is not nearly as dangerous as the original virus. Uh, Nobody's getting really sick from it. So they're taking the approach that, you know, once you have a negative test, you're back in and you're playing. And they're going to play through it. And in all honesty, I do think it's the right thing to do. You can't stop the music. You can't stop the world now. This is not a variant where we're seeing guys, you know, get very, very ill. And pretty much everybody is vaccinated and has the booster. So you're pretty well protected against serious illness. You're not fully protected from getting it, but some things you do have to play through. And from a business standpoint, they are going to play through. You know, the National Football League is going to do their best to flex their muscles and show that we will overcome with full stadiums. And hopefully they will, because you don't want to see the season marred by teams uh, stricken by the virus and lose you know, really important players. And it's a real threat right now. It's a huge threat. The Browns, both quarterbacks have it. The Baker Mayfield was you know, tested positive, and now Case Keenum tested positive. And they have a huge game against the hideous Raiders. But still, uh, will either quarterback play? We don't know. The follow-up to who do you trust in the AFC? Who do we trust in the AFC? Is it time to bring the Chiefs back into that conversation? regardless of the end result of tonight's game because Absolutely. it's tied with a minute to go. Absolutely. They're healthy. They're back. They're healthy. Mahomes is playing really well tonight. Kind of the old Mahomes making plays all over the field, not just dink and dunk. And look, I, I can't blame their defense. They're playing the Chargers who are very good offensively. They have a young quarterback who might be a, you know, a quarterback for the ages. He's been, Make some otherworldly throws. I trust the Patriots coach, 
I trust their defense and defense travels and their quarterback has been pretty much mistake free and he's made the throws he's had to make. Uh, So to that extent, I trust them, but that doesn't mean the kid can't go out and throw three interceptions or when he needs to in a big spot, not be able to take his team down the field because he's just a kid and he's got no postseason experience. This, I, I, I know, you know, he's done it at the highest level in college, but this is in Alabama. So I'm, you know, the, the uh, school's still out. The jury's still out on the Patriots. But you can't dispel anything that they've done. It was supposed to be the Bills division. The Bills are in disarray. And they went into their building and they they owned them. They ran the, they threw the ball three times in horrible conditions. And the Bills knew all they were going to do was, was, was run the ball. And it's not like they couldn't stop them where they ran the ball down the field, you know, eight different times and scored 35 points, scored 14 points. But the Bills offense, again, did not do the job. And Josh Allen did not do the job. And Josh Allen has been very inconsistent. And this week they had a great comeback against Tampa Bay and took it in overtime and you know, lost in overtime. Well, and speaking of Alabama, and it was no surprise while watching it, is in the back of your mind, because the Chiefs didn't get to that point in the season yet, you kind of got the feel of once they figured it out, Alabama that is, they go into overtime against Auburn, who's not used to being in that position, and you think this is where Alabama is going to thrive overtime. What's well, the big deal? We've played in championship games before. It doesn't matter that we lost half the team. These guys will be fine. And sure enough, they pull out the upset win, if you will. And now they're in the college football playoff as the heavy favorite in the blink of an eye. Cause they dismantled Georgia. You got that sense very quickly with the chiefs for whatever reason, chiefs lovers. Hello, Nick, Wright are very quick to mock everyone that was ripping the chiefs early in the season for their troubles and misfortunes. Yeah, of course we were. Cause that's the only time you're going to get to do it. What are you going to just sit there and say, well, let's hold on a second. Let's trust these guys. No, you have a little fun, kick them while they're down hard urban Meyer style to Josh Lambeau. Rip their they ass. It. Their defense, their defense was pathetic. They were awful. Patrick Mahomes throwing picks, couldn't win games. They looked like garbage. So have some fun at their expense and rip them to shreds. Especially when Nick Wright picked him to go undefeated. Once they come back and look good like they do now, of course they're going to turn things around eventually. But you don't have to rub it in anybody's face. We were having a grand old time. I don't regret any of it for a second when the Chiefs are down, especially as a Broncos fan. You rip their ass open if they're playing poorly. But it's that Alabama feel now of Patrick Mahomes is healthy looking. Those 50-50 balls aren't going to the defenses. They're getting the breaks. They're figuring stuff out on defense tenfold. And now once they have the defense and they don't have to go out and score 40 points just to keep up with the team... We're in trouble. So I guess we are at the point where you have to put your faith and trust back in the Chiefs just because of their previous resume up to this point. I don't think they're a team where you can think they're going to regress back to the earlier part of the season. What we can say, too, for the vaccinations and where we are in sports, let's not have the discussions about, well, why didn't we do this last year? Forget about the bubbles. Forget about the empty stadiums. Look at what the leagues are doing now and just letting this play out. And it's working. Where was this last year when all this first started to happen? Please, let's not do that. Don't be ignorant. Realize that there's vaccinations now. Please. Can we please? Because that's going to be the argument with people. Get vaccinated and get your booster and do everything you can to minimize this. Take all possible measures to protect yourself and the people you care about and your family and the people around you. 
that you're in contact with because it's your obligation to not be a spreader. You know, if, if you don't care about yourself, that doesn't mean you should have no regard for others. So, uh, you know, we've got the vaccine, we've got the booster, take advantage of it. Plain and simple. So everybody can manage this because this variant is not nearly as severe and yes, infection rates are up, but death rates are not. And we've lost enough. We've lost enough lives. We've lost enough loved ones. We've lost enough family members, enough friends. We've lost enough of our lives. That It's time for everybody to realize you must take all the measures you can so we can continue living relatively normal lives despite the virus and its variants. Well, if this is our last show before Christmas and the new year, Merry Christmas to you, Al. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Happy New Year to everyone, if it's even that long. And when we come back, if that's the case, and everybody enjoys their holiday break, we'll have college football playoffs to discuss. We'll be closer to the NFL playoff discussion as well, and people start paying attention to the NBA because Christmas Day will be here. So plenty to talk about upon our return. Looking forward to that and looking forward to another holiday season hopefully a safe one for you all for my partner the great john tiny lund uh i echo his sentiments we wish everybody out there a happy and healthy holiday season merry christmas happy new year we hope 2022 is better for everyone than 2021 for the new report this is el renato akl from white plains the old report wishing all of you a happy a healthy, and a safe sports holiday season, everybody. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. 